One year ago, the day after Valentine's Day, Travis Zirkel lost his husband, Jeff Wallace, to COVID-19. Travis believes he brought the virus home from school, where he's a special education teacher. In the years since, Barnard resident Travis has grappled with grief while also becoming an outspoken advocate for vaccination. In today's Kansas Reflector podcast, we're going to feature excerpts from my conversation with Travis. My name is Clay Wirestone. I'm the opinion editor at The Reflector, and we're going to begin with Travis's central piece of advice. Very bluntly, I would say, pull your head out of your ass and get the vaccine. (laughs) Diplomatically, I would go into what I just said to you. It's like give the history, a brief history of the mRNA development, talk about SARS, talk about the various coronaviruses that have already been in the world and say that, okay, none of this is new. I mean, yes, COVID-19 is new because it's 2019 because that's when, um, when it first entered the world scene, but um, COVID viruses or coronaviruses are not new. Neither is the research behind these vaccines. There are no harmful effects on this vaccine that are any worse than any harmful effects on any vaccine that has been mandated that we have taken since polio. And somebody that watched Jeff's funeral actually changed their mind about getting the vaccine and they got the vaccine just because they thought that could be me. I could catch it. I could bring it home. My husband could die. So that's my, you know, right down to it. My thing is, is get the vaccine. You have nothing to lose. There are no such things as microchips that small. There there are um, Bill Gates has no interest in the vaccine other than that people take it to save their own lives and to save the lives of their neighbors. Because even if you're asymptomatic, you can still carry it to somebody who is not. Both Travis and Jeff treated the pandemic seriously from the beginning. They each fell ill the first time in March of 2020. Jeff, who was disabled, had a serious case. However, both men recovered. By January of 2021, they were still taking rigorous precautions and waiting for the broader vaccine rollout. Travis will now take up the story, from their diagnosis the second time to Jeff's death. Well, January 19th was the day that we were officially diagnosed. And um, a few days before that, I had felt sick. I, had, I, you know, thought it was a really bad cold. And I talked to our principal on, um, in that time. And, and I said, well, I think I'm good enough if I can come back. And she says, well, why don't you get tested for COVID just to make sure? So that's what I did. I te- went to the doctor, got tested for COVID and it came back positive. Jeff had, for the first time, because he had not gone anywhere for about two weeks um, prior to that. Um, but that particular day, he had a doctor's appointment in Salina. And so he had gone to the doctors. And I called him and I said, you need to go get tested for COVID. 
I just tested positive. And before you come home, you need to see if you're positive or negative, because if you are um, negative, then you need to stay with your aunt in Salina. Um, so he was saying, well, I feel awful in, in himself. He felt awful. And he had um, was getting to the point he said he was out of breath and and I, he said, but he'd go get tested. And he called me later and said, I, I don't even think I'm well enough to even make it home if I drive home. So he drove himself to the hospital in Salina. And he was there for four days. When they admitted him, his oxygen levels were down to 68%. Wow. And that was when they measured him right when he walked in off the street, basically. And uh, so he was in Salina for four days. And then he came home. And then I was starting to progress bad enough. And I called the doctor and I said, um, and Jeff came home on oxygen. Um, but I called the doctor and I said, okay, I'm feeling worse. What are my options? And the nurse practitioner said, well, you can either take um a dose of steroids you know and you can take it at home or there's this iv medication that you can take which turned out to be in the monoclonal antibody treatment and i asked her i said well what would you recommend and she said i would recommend the the iv treatment and i said okay when can we get this set up within two hours jeff had drove we loaded his oxygen bottles and everything I wasn't fit enough to drive at that point. And uh, while I'm thinking about it, during the entire time I had COVID, my temperature never went above 98.8 degrees. Wow. So fevers and temperatures are not even a 100%, you know, indicator. But anyway, so I went up there and it turned out it was the monoclonal antibody treatment. And... The nurses called it BAM because um, the actual name was um, was it was it reminded me of Russian, uh, and so it's but um, so I couldn't pronounce it either. Um, but uh, it had a an almost immediate effect. I felt even, I felt a little better even by the time I went to bed that night. And then the next day I felt even better, but it was too late for Jeff to get that treatment because there's a small window where you can get that treatment. And he was already past that window. But, uh, and then I was improving, but he was starting to get worse. So, on February 5th, I was supposed to get um, vaccinated because teachers weren't eligible to get the vaccine until um, even though we were in a high risk environment. And some people will deny that kids can't have it. But just the other day, Friday, we had 40 out of our 77 students absent because of COVID. Today, we have 27 gone out of 77 because of COVID. But um, anyway, so um, 
I, our superintendent had approved Jeff to get my vaccine, um, in place, um, of me because I had to wait 90 days after getting the monoclonal antibody treatment. But at 5.30 the morning of the 5th, um, Jeff's oxygen sats had crashed again, and um, he was um, lethargic and wasn't making coherent sense. And so I finally convinced him to go to the hospital, and he was admitted. And his oxygen sats then were down to 62%. And so he was in the hospital um, until February 11th. And then he came home. I tried to tell him to stay in because he seemed to be getting better in the hospital. They had him up and walking, um, you know, down to the end of the hall and back. And he seemed to be improving with oxygen They'd taken him down to a level four from a level eight. Um, and he was able to maintain proper, proper oxygen saturation levels. And it was his goal. He didn't want to spend his birthday in the hospital. His birthday, he was a Valentine's baby. And, um, matter of fact, his, his maternal grandmother was February 12th. He was February 14th. His, the, um, his, the middle brother was February 16th and his youngest brother was born on February 18th. So he wow. was, yeah, um, there was a pattern in that family. <laughs> um, but, um, so he came home on the 11th and each day he kept declining some and, um, by the weekend, he came home on a Thursday. By the weekend, it was hard for him to get to the bathroom, um, to, um, you know, without becoming winded. And, um, he would have to stay in the bathroom and recover for about a half hour before he could make his way back to the couch in the dining room. And we only have an 1100 square foot house and that's spread out over two stories. So it's, it's not a big house. Um, so I kept trying to convince him to go back to the hospital and he kept refusing. And hindsight led me to a lot of other things and, you know, several months worth of therapy has led me to things. But, um, you know, cause hindsight's always 2020. But, uh, on his birthday, February 14th, he had a fairly decent day. Um, he was still winded, but, you know, one of the things he always did and it started on February 1st, he always had, you know, he did something special for me. We called it the uh, 14 days of Valentine's and gifts and cards. He would get me gifts and cards every day for those 14 days. And, you know, and then I always got him stuff for Valentine's Day. And then I got him stuff for his birthday. I tried to keep those things separated. Um, but we had a good day. We had, um, I actually cooked spaghetti. We had, you know, a couple of friends over to celebrate his birthday. You know, we limited the gathering simply because of the pandemic going on. So it was two of our closest friends, one who also lived in town and one that owned the house that we lived in in Wichita. 
was, you know, um, and so, um, our friend went home and then Jeff, it was just Jeff and I, and, and he had a bunch more stuff to give me. And he says, Travis, I'm just so tired. You know, you're just going to have to wait till tomorrow to get the rest of your gifts. And, you know, that just, you know, I'm going to point out that that just showed how wonderful Jeff was because even though it was his birthday, he gave me a lot of gifts for Valentine's and it was just, um, it was just the way it was. I mean, it was like we were in our happily ever after. We were in our, well, till death do us part. And um, little did I know, you know, we were within 24 hours of death doing us part at that point. But um, so, you know, we got ready for bed and, and he went to sleep and I got up in the morning just like usual because I had an in-service here at school. So our friend came over to watch him during the day while I came to the in-service. And um, that happened February 15th was also the day of the rolling blackouts. Um, Jeff was on two oxygen concentrators at home. And, of course, they ran on electricity. And, of course, Texas had their crisis. So... Our Jeff's concentrators were off for about an hour and he was on tanked oxygen. Um, yeah, I'm still kind of a little bitter toward, bitter towards Evergy for that and Texas too, because, well, that's a whole nother issue. Um, but, um, I would call and check up on him and our friend would just say, Oh, he's asleep, but he's breathing. So he's just asleep. Well, um, the end service ended at three. I called and they said, well, he's, he's in a deep sleep, but you know, he's still breathing. And I'm like, okay. And I said, well, and he told me about the, um, brownout and that or blackout and that they'd used up, you know, most of the oxygen in the tanks. And I said, have you called and ordered oxygen? Because we were really dependent on that oxygen because the oxygen concentrators, you know, they're not exactly portable. Um, and they, he said, no, they wouldn't send out any more because they said, that's why they sent the oxygen concentrators out. And I said, no, we rely on that. You need to call an order. Well, they would pick, they would give us two bottles and that was it. So I stopped by on my way home and I'd done some stuff here to get ready for the next day at school. And I got a little ways north of the Hunter turnoff um, on Highway 14 south of Beloit on the way back to Barnard. Because it's if I stay on pavement, it's a 45-minute drive from school to home. It's about a 25-mile drive if I go gravel roads. Um, but uh, I got to about halfway between Beloit and home, and I'm all of a sudden just – it was like a – it was like I got slapped across the face and I just thought, what am I going to do if he dies? And I, I just kept heading towards home. I couldn't do anything more about it. But, you know, I just, something was, was wrong. And so I got home and plus I couldn't call because, you know, there's Verizon has dead zones all over this area. Um, even Verizon has dead zones. But, uh, 
So I got home and I had the oxygen bottles and I opened up the dining room door and I looked across into the living room and I saw the color of Jeff's skin and I knew right away um, that because I have also worked in two different funeral homes in Chase County. So I knew um, I know what a dead person looks like. Um, and I knew it was too late. I knew he was gone. I wasn't willing to give up yet. So I went over there trying to feel for body temperature. He was cool because he always, wherever he was at, he had a fan blowing on him because it helped the oxygen move. He could breathe easier. That's how he slept at night too. We had an electric bank blanket on our bed and with a fan blowing directly on his face. So it was, but, um, but he was on the couch. I couldn't feel anything. So I, I yelled over to our friend to call 911 and it caught him off, off guard and he couldn't get out of Facebook and, and over to the phone function. Um, so I grabbed the landline and called 911 and I was on the dispatch on the phone with dispatch and our neighbors came over cause he was on the ambulance crew and on the fire department. And he heard the call go out over the radio. So he came over and his wife was a nurse. So when she came over, I was telling her, can you check him? My hands are so cold. I can't feel anything. And so, um, she checked him and, um, she told me he was gone. Um, the, uh, um, and that rigor was starting to set in. And um, so I knew and in the process before that, I had told Monty while I was on the phone with the 911 dispatch, I told him to call Jeff's brother who lived a block and a half away. And I heard him while I was talking on the dispatch. He got a hold of Jeff's brother and and uh, Nick must have said, why does why do you need me to come over there? And Monty just said, um, um, Travis just said to get over here now. And so he came over and, uh, you know, the, um, ambulance had gotten here. The Lincoln County sheriffs had gotten to our house. Um, so it was pretty busy at that time when he got there. Nick tried to, um, do CPR um as Nick was on the fire is on the fire department as well um but it was it was just too late the past year has been difficult for Travis he's now both vaccinated and boosted but he wishes that those around him and society as a whole showed more care for other people this is his message to them one of the things that I would like people to think about too is everybody talks about their right to life, the right to life in regards to babies and such like that. But the thing is, doesn't everybody have a right to life into that? Because when people decided not to wear masks, when people decided not to get vaccinated, when people decided, you know, Jeff had that choice of his right to life taken away. And he didn't choose to die. 
initially, he wanted to live. He was happy to live. You know, he, I would ask him just out of my own insecurities, I would ask him, do you love me? Sometimes I would ask him why he loved me, but um, there were times I asked him, do you love me? And he goes, forever and ever. That was always his answer. And he knew why I asked it. He knew that I knew he loved me. He knew that, you know, but he wanted to live. And there are various people because of their my life, my body, my choice, my right, they ended up taking away his rights to life. And he had a right to life. But he's dead. And that's all there is to it. And other people, it wasn't just one person um, that had a factor in it. It wasn't just... um it wasn't just me carrying the disease to him. It was a whole mindset of people that decided as a large chunk of our society decided that they were more important than the people standing next to them. Even although we're all of equal importance, every single one of us has somebody that loves us. And we are all somebody's son, somebody's daughter, somebody's parent, somebody's cousin, somebody's aunt or uncle or grandparent. And who wants to see somebody go through that loss of a loved one? I wouldn't wish this on anybody. 